Thank you for listening to the Giving Light Podcast. We are a family church and world outreach center. Our heart is to empower you to walk in true freedom and equip you to impact your world. Please visit our website at givinglight.org to learn more about us and our many resources, including original music by Brave Music, e-courses for leaders, tools for raising powerful kids, and more. If you would like to support Giving Light financially, visit our Give Online page to choose the best giving method for you. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy this message. Praise the Lord. Glad to be with you this morning. As uh, Katie was uh, doing the power pose, it reminded me of a pose that we are to have in, um, in worship. And that worship is to stand and lift up our hands. That is a power pose. And uh, the Bible says that when we praise the Lord, He inhabits the praises of His people. So God had already thought about that long before TED Talk did. And uh, so anyway, uh, I have a a message I want to share with you, and uh, I pray it's going to be an inspiration to you. Actually, it was meant for last week, but you know, uh, every day is a resurrection day for the Christian. Every day we can celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, because in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the believer is also resurrected because we are identified with Christ. We were crucified with Christ. We were baptized with Christ. We were buried with Christ. We were raised with Christ. And the scripture says that we are ascended with Christ and that we are seated at the right hand of the Father ever, and he is ever living to make intercession for us. You know, uh, when I was a real young preacher, I'd just gotten out of Bible school and I went to my first church and, uh, you know, there was uh, they were having problems there. There was uh, sides, factions and that sort of thing. And um, my thought was to focus on what the Lord was doing, focus on what not only what he was doing, but what he could. And I was being accused of not taking things seriously. Well, they took things seriously in their eyes, but I thought God had things under control and that he could take care of them. You know, and sometimes, you know, people might think, well, I'm not really Uh, I'm not really thinking about the dangers of what's going on or this or that or the other. But in my mind, I keep my focus on the Lord because in Him, I have life and life more bodies, but can come to our spirits and come to our souls. We can even have a healed marriage. We can even have a a healing uh, in a relationship, or we can have a healing. You know, God might even take you out of a job, but he's going to give you a better job. And so the scripture goes on to say, O Lord, thou hast brought up my soul from the grave. Thou hast kept me alive that I should not go down to the pet. He says, sing unto the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. You know, I still believe in holiness. Holiness is not only an Old Testament 
uh, principle in a, not only Old Testament, but it is also in the New Testament. The scripture says, without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. But you know what? We can trust in what Jesus has done through his death, burial, and resurrection in the blood of Jesus, and he gives us his holiness. But I believe we also need to walk in holiness and live in holiness also. But he goes on to say this. He says, in, uh, for his anger endureth but for a moment. In his life, uh, in his favor is life. Do you know what? God's anger is dealt with. God's danger is over with. Now, do you know what we live in? We live in God's favor. There's uh, somebody, I think it's Mike Evans, he, he had a thing a while back. He says, I'm living in the fog you know, and that might sound uh, that might sound kind of negative. You know, especially if you're on a ship and you're going through the fog. You know, especially in the old days, you didn't know what was out ahead. You could run into another ship. You could run into rocks. You could run into disaster. But living in the fog is not a literal fog. It is living in the favor of God. You are living in the favor. Of God and his favor is life. He goes on to say, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. You know, as I said earlier, this, this applies to, to Christ, you know, pointing out in his messianic prophecies, but these, but these words also apply to us. And I'd like to share with you that today. And one of the things I wanted to point out, because again, this is pointing to Christ, and it's also pointing towards the cross, because he says here, he says, you brought my soul up from the grave. Do you think that was David? That wasn't David. That was Christ. That was speaking of Christ. Even though it came through the lips of David, it was speaking of Christ. So through the death, burial, and resurrection and the cross, the cross is where we derive all of our benefits from the Lord. All of our benefits were paid for through the Lord Jesus Christ at the finished work of the cross. You know, uh, there, was a, there was a false teacher from Korea years ago, Samwon Moon or something like that, and he sent out a letter to everybody. I actually got a letter, and he sent me other things, and he sent it to a lot of pastors throughout the United States. And he said that he had come to complete what Christ had failed to complete. Well, I've got news for him, and he's already found out it because I'm sure he's uh, in his eternal state. But he found out that Christ had already completed every work. You know, anything that you try to add on to receive salvation is not going to benefit you. It is only through Christ and Christ's work alone that we, that we receive. And so uh, going, back to that, going back to that time 2,000 years ago, when the disciples knew that Christ had, was hung on the cross, when they saw his beating, when they saw the blood, when they saw that he was brought down, when they saw that he was put into a tomb, there was time of weeping, weeping, and weeping. And there was time, when not only was it weeping, it was self-doubt, it was doubt. Did we follow the wrong Christ? This, was he Christ or was he not? They, thought, they said, we thought 
We thought that this was Christ that had come to bring the kingdom. But I want to share with you that even in your darkest hour, God is doing his greatest work. He's doing his greatest work in your darkest hour. You might be weeping, but God's doing work. You might be down. You might be doubting. You might be ready to give up. But in your darkest hour, God is doing great work. It reminds me of, uh, not Ephesians, uh, uh, another G. Uh, Genesis. In Genesis, the darkest point in Genesis chapter 1 uh, the Bible says that the earth was a darkness and water covered the face of the deep and it was void and darkness covered the face of the earth. But the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. You might be in your darkest hour. You might be doubting. You might be in fear. You might be thinking, oh, what's going to happen? But God is hovering over you right now and he's waiting for a word that when that word is spoken, then God is going to move by his spirit. God said, let there be light, and there was light. And you say, well, God, I'm waiting for you to speak a word. God has put the word on the inside of you, and he's waiting for you to speak it out. He's waiting for you to say, God is in control of my life. The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn that shines brighter under the full day. I will not die, but I will declare the works of the Lord. What are you speaking this morning? What are you speaking? Start, start uh, letting the word of God that's on the inside of you fill up the inside, not only fill up the inside of you, but fill your mouth and let it come forth so that the spirit of God who is hovering over you can take that word of God and bring action and life to it in the name of Jesus. Well, Again, during the weeping, God goes through, during, the, during their weeping, when Christ was hanging on the cross, they were weeping, but God was doing a great work. God was bringing a divine transfer. What? A divine transfer? Well, for our sin, we receive righteousness. For our doubt, we receive faith. For our weakness, we receive strength. Everything that, everything that Christ did on the cross, everything that we were was put on him. And everything that he was was put on us. That's the divine transfer. We don't have, you know, you might say, well, I feel so weak. But the one who's in you says, I'm not weak. And the Bible says, let the weak say, I'm strong. As we begin to look, it's not just saying it, but it's looking at what Christ has done. It's looking at who Christ is on the inside of you and the power of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. And when you begin to agree, agree with that, the Bible says, how can two walk together unless they be agreed? And we agree by what we speak. And what we speak comes from the heart. So I, if, if I've got doubt, then I've got I've to uh, feed my faith and starve my doubt. Man, if I don't get preaching, I'm going to be here all day. But thank you, Jesus. So during their weeping, Christ, or the, God brought about the divine transfer. During your darkest hour, God is doing his greatest work. How are you viewing yourself. Are you viewing yourself as God views you or are you viewing yourself as what mom and daddy said about you? You know, I don't want to I don't want to ever I don't want to ever view myself as how mom and daddy spoke about me. 
You know, you might have been from the same, but you might have you might have even been from a great family where your father and your mother were just speaking words of affirmation. But you know, there's people in the world that probably spoke things to you that pull you down. What if they didn't? The enemy is right there to be the accuser of the brethren to bring you down. But I'm telling you right now, God wants us to view ourselves as to how he views us. And it's sad to say that a lot of times, even even theology of the past and even theology of today brings us to a place or makes us think about ourselves what is not the way God sees us. So how does God see us? Well, we familiar scripture, but I don't care if it's familiar or not. Unless we're living it, it's not familiar enough. Unless we're walking in it, it's not familiar enough. John Wesley said people are going to miss heaven by 21 inches. In my mind, I see people crawling, crawling, and then 21 inches before they get there, the door's shut and they can't get in. But the reality is, it's not the 21 inches that they're crawling to, it's the 21 inches between their head and their heart. You know, you might know the scripture, you might quote the scripture, but are you believing the scripture? Are you believing? God, you know, if you read the book of John, the book of John is all about belief. It's all about belief. God so loved the world that who uh, that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I want to tell you what. You know, we've got to forget about what others are saying, and we've got to believe how God views us. Well, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Are you still trying to crucify the flesh? Well, the Bible, say, well, the Bible says that you are crucified with Christ. You say, well, I've got these things coming up here and got these things coming up there. It might not be you. The Bible says your flesh is dead, was crucified with Christ. It could be a spirit that is trying to make you think that it's you and you just need to take authority over that in Jesus' name and just start worshiping the Lord and thanking God that you're crucified with Christ, but you're not just crucified with Christ. He says, nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me. Hallelujah. You're loved. You know, put your arms out like this, wrap them around yourself and just squeeze real tight and let you know that the Father loves you. Father God loves you. You are loved. Stop thinking that God, you know, God's out to get you, that God doesn't love you, that God doesn't want you. You are chosen. You are chosen. You know what? You are a chosen generation, royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar or special people that should show forth the praises of him. How are you going to show forth God's praises if you don't think he even likes you? Well, the God, the reality is, is God loves you and he gave the best gift that he had to demonstrate it. The Bible says that he demonstrated his love for you when Christ went to the cross. Well, it goes on in verse 21, it says this, I am not, he goes on to say, I do not frustrate the grace of God. Man, when I read that, I'm thinking, frustrating, how can you frustrate the grace of God? Do you frustrate the grace of God by trying to add on to your salvation? 
Well, I need to do this to please God. I need to do this to please God. I need to do this. No, you're already, you've already pleased God by trusting in Christ, believing in him. Now, I'm not saying that you can't do works because the Bible does talk about good works, but you can't please God by good works. The, the satisfaction came through Jesus Christ because he took everything that you were that was negative and put it on Christ in which Christ was nailed to the cross. All that old stuff, all that bad stuff was taken away, but the divine transfer again was all the good stuff comes on you. Can you say amen? Thank you, Lord. Well, through Christ, see, he says, I do not frustrate the grace of God. I just want to hang there for a minute. I do not frustrate the grace of God. You know, the Bible says, for by grace are you saved. Are you frustrating the grace? <laughs> you know, if you're frustrating grace, you're frustrating yourself. Because all grace does is bring benefit to you. You know, some have said, uh, of course, grace is uh, God's riches at Christ's expense. I guess that's what it, but anyway. Grace is not just God's riches, it's Christ's expense. Grace is God's divine enablement that comes upon you. You know what? That you can't even come to Christ unless the Father draws you. God, there is a, there's what is called a pre-grace before... You might be here and you don't even like what I'm saying. Well, there could be a pre-grace on you because you're still listening to me and God is trying to draw you. There is a pre-grace before people get saved to draw them to hear the word, to hear the message, to feel the love of God. And God wants to extend his love to you so he gives you grace before you're even asking for it. But then, of course, when, you, when you're ready to move in faith and that grace is there to bring you to a place of not only total salvation, but you are coming to a place where you are receiving all that God offers for you. Thank you, Jesus. So, so you know, you need to say to yourself, all my penalty, all my sin is paid for. All right, but he says, not only that, he says, Christ lives in me. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, but yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Well, I wrote down this, I said, it is the same Jesus, it is the same Jesus that walked the earth, that did the miraculous, that loved the people. He's the one that lived in you. It is the same Jesus that lives in you that said, I always do those things that please the Father. The Jesus in you is wanting to do all things that please the Father. It's the same Jesus living in you that had compassion on the multitude. You say, well, I don't like people. Well, the Bible, well, the reality is, is when you let Christ, who's on the inside of you, come forth in the name of Jesus, then you're going to start loving people because Jesus loved the multitude. It's the same Jesus living on the inside of you that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, while the disciples were weeping, Peter finally had a revelation. In 1 Peter 2.24, he says, Who his own self bear our sins in his body on the tree, that we being dead unto sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you are healed. That's not something that's going to happen. That's something that's already happened. You know what? We, when uh, we do a disservice to God, 
We frustrate the grace of God when we put all the benefits that God's paid for in the future. God doesn't want, God. yes, God has things for the future, but most of the things that he has for us, he has for us right now. It's for now. Salvation is now. The Bible says now is the day of salvation. Thank you, Lord. So never think, never think to yourself, I've got to make something happen to receive the benefits because Christ has already paid for them. There's an old song uh, goes uh, goes like this: Jesus paid it all, all to Him I owe. If Jesus paid it all, why what are you trying to add to it? You don't need to add to it. Jesus paid it all. So what do I need to do? I need to thank Him for it. What did He pay for? He says. He says his word is health to all their flesh. He says, by his stripes we are healed. You say, well, oh, you know, God, that's not really of God. You know, uh, some, people, some people have even said, uh, some people have told me in the past, they said, well, healing's of the devil. I need to, ask, I turned to them, I said, then why are you going to the hospital? Why are you going to get medicine? Why are you going to do this? If sickness is of God or sickness, or if, uh, if healing is of the devil, then why are you trying to get it well for? No, that's a false teaching. That's a false thinking. The reality is, is Jesus came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Hallelujah. What do you have now? You have the greater one on the inside of you. You're not, you might... You might feel weak, but there is a power on the inside of you. The Bible says that um, that God that that God will will do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think, according to the power that works on the inside of you. That's why He said to let the weak say, "I am strong." So while they were weeping, God was doing his greatest work. Are you in a dark period right now? God is probably doing his greatest work for you. You might think, well, you know, I could lose my job. I could, uh, I could lose this. I could lose that. But, but God, you are in the hands of God, and he says that he is going to do, ex- he's going to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think. Are you asking or are you complaining? Thank you, Lord. I didn't mean to say it. Yes, I did. Are you asking or are you complaining? If I'll tell you what, if there's no praise with it, then it's probably complaining. Oh, things are getting bad. Bless his holy name. No, no, you don't say saying you're getting bad. Bless his holy name. You say God is providing for me. Bless his holy name. You know, one woman said in church, she said, the devil's been after me all week. Bless his holy name. And I think sometimes that's what we do. We, we give praise to the devil instead of to God. Hallelujah. No, I greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. Bless his holy name. The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn. Bless his holy name. Thank you, Jesus. Well, in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 13, he says, he says, when you were dead in your uh, transgressions and uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven you of all your pre- trespasses. What does all mean? Does all mean some? Does all mean a few? Does all mean most of, but just those ones that just, do you have, do you have things that you are beating yourself up over, over the pa- in the past? 
The Bible says that he has delivered you from all of that stuff. He says in verse 14, having canceled out the certificate of death, of debt consisting of decrees that were against you. You know, some people might have a hard time with this, but the reality is, is the law that was against us, the law of righteousness that was against us was taken out of the way through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. What do you mean by that? I mean that you, that Christ paid the penalty. He fulfilled the law and the law was taken out of the way because the Bible says in the New Testament that by the works of the law, no man shall be justified. So if you're still trying to fulfill righteousness by doing the law, I'm not saying to throw it out the window. I'm just saying that we have righteousness already because of what Jesus has done. You know, the Bible says that, uh, you know, thou shalt not kill. I think that's a good idea. We shouldn't be going around killing. The Bible says thou shalt not steal. I don't want people coming in my house and stealing. They don't want me coming in their house and stealing. The Bible says, uh, you know, honor your father and your mother. You know, we shouldn't be uh, cursing. You know, I've said, I've said things, but I haven't cursed my mother. I've actually thanked God for my mother and father because if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be here. So I thank God for them. Hallelujah. How about you? You know, p- your parents might have done things that you don't like, and it might, might have even scarred you, but the reality is, is that God didn't plan that. God, God revealed to me, I picked your parents but they just didn't follow my blueprint. And then the Lord showed me, you know, it gone back years and years. They were treated unfairly. They weren't treated right. And so sometimes just things go on and on until we break those things in Jesus' name. Amen. You don't have to keep living under, under the frustrations of the past. Let's get past the past and look towards what God has for you now and also for the future. But he goes on to say, He says, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which were hostile to us, he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Nailed it to the cross. And then, oh, this is the beautiful thing right here. When he he had disarmed the rulers and authority. That That wasn't the Jewish leaders. That's not the leaders... Uh, that's not the leaders in Washington, though those, are, those rulers are demonic spirits that held people in the past. They held people in the past. Well, you know, it says here he's disarmed the rulers and authorities. He's made a public display, display of them, having triumphed over them. In the, You know what you need to say? Satan has nothing on me. Just say, you have nothing on me. You have nothing on me. Nothing means nothing. Satan cannot, if you're you're letting him dig up your past, all you have to say is you have nothing on me. And I'm going to go on to share with you this in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he, Jesus, took part of the same. Jesus took part of flesh and blood. Uh, Bethlehem was not his start. He was eternal. God just put on flesh. 
So it said, it goes on to say, he likewise took part of the same that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. In other words, it wasn't the resurrection that brought the victory. It was the death of Jesus Christ that brought you all the liberty that God has for you. God destroyed Satan's power and ability to control you at the cross. Say, well, he's sure doing it now. That's because we're letting him. We're letting him. God says, it's time to rise up. It's time to take the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit. It's time to speak the word of God and not only just battle with the devil, it's time to speak the word of God and let the angels of God agree with you and begin to work in your behalf. When you speak the word of God, like my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory, you set your angels on assignment to go work for you. Can you say Amen. Hallelujah. But he goes on to say here, he says, and delivered them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. You know, that's a wonderful thing to be delivered. Wonderful thing to be delivered. I remember, you know, I've, I remember being delivered from things, you know, and I don't want to go into time, uh, you know, physical things where I was under oppressive leadership. I was under oppressive leadership, and God delivered me and took me to a better place. You might be, you, you know, don't give up and say, man, it's never going to get better. It is going to get better because joy comes in the morning. Amen. Well, thank you, Jesus. I have to read this. It, uh, in Romans chapter, I want to read this. Uh, Romans chapter 1 and verse 2. So this is what we're, we're going from the weeping endures to the night to joy coming in the morning, okay? Joy coming in the morning. I want to take a, a look at, for a few moments, what the resurrection does. Now, we talked about the death. We talked about, we talked about Christ's death on the cross and the victory that we have through that. But what does the resurrection bring? Well, let's read. He says uh, in Romans chapter 1, verse 2, he says, which, which he had promised before by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. He's talking about in the Holy Scriptures, in the Old Testament, God promised what the Messiah was going to do, that he was going to come and what he was going to do. Verse 3, concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made according to the seed of David, according to the flesh. So that body that he came forth from was, uh, was from the seed of David. But Christ was 100% man, but it was also 100% God. It goes on to say, and declared to be the Son of God. Listen to this. You, I don't know. It took me a while to, to figure this out. But, you know, you might, uh, it might, you might be like one of those people that hear a joke, and then a half hour later, you're the only one laughing. But I'll tell you what, you need to get a hold of this. He says, and declared to be the Son of God with power. According to the spirit of holiness, there's that holiness again in the New Testament, by the resurrection 
from the dead. Christ was declared to be the Son of God, not in Bethlehem, but Christ was declared to be the Son of God at his resurrection. When he rose from the dead, God said, this is my beloved Son. This is my Son. This is my son. But you know what? Not only that, when Christ was declared to be the son of God, as you believe, you are declared to be the son of God. When Christ, if you were crucified with Christ, if you were buried with Christ, when you're raised with Christ, whatever Christ receives, you receive also. Notice in uh Here's one of the uh, benefits of Christ's resurrection. Uh, Romans uh, chapter 8, verse 1, he says, There is therefore now no condemnation. You know, and, and I just finally looked that up. Because my thought was, and I was correct, but I was only partly correct. My thought was condemnation was when people are just talking bad about you. And you're believing it, and they're putting you down, you know. But condemnation is a sentence against you. It's a sentence against you. But God says, when Christ rose from the dead, there is no longer a sentence of against you. That was all wiped out in the name of Jesus. Uh, I think I'm just going to read from my Bible. Hallelujah. There it is. Okay. Then he goes on in verse 2, he says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. You know, a lot of people, even Christians, are living under the law, uh, law of sin and death. They, you know, they're still thinking of their, uh, what they've done. They're still thinking about you know, how, how bad they are. The reality is, is that when we accept Christ, the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus makes us free from the law of sin and death. Well, is sickness part of the law of sin and death? I would say so. And so what we need to do is we need to say no to sickness by saying the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. What are you giving priority to, the law of the spirit of life? You know what? You just need to be celebrated. Oh, I'm filled, I'm filled with life. I'm filled with life. I've got, I walk in the law of the spirit of life. Thank you, Jesus. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on to say, For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh uh, on account of sin and has condemned sin in the flesh. That means it's done. It's over. It's finished. It's all gone to Christ. But he goes on to say this, he says that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. You know what he goes on to say in uh, Romans 8, uh, in Romans 8, verse, uh, verse 16, he says this, the Spirit himself bears witness with, uh, the Spirit, it says, the Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. I want to read verse 15. I had a typo here. That's why I was stumbling. I had it down as verse 17 instead of verse 15. But in verse 15, he says, you, uh, For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. 
You know, what, what spirit did you receive? Well, I received the spirit of liberty. That's not what it says here. It says, you have received the spirit of adoption. In other words, you have received the spirit of God. Therefore, you're crying out. You're not crying out, help, help, Lord. You're crying out, Abba, Father. What is Abba, Father? Abba, Father is a term of endearment. You're crying out, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. And Daddy recognizes you that you are one of his own. Thank you, Jesus. But again, he says, the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God and of children, then heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we, that we, that we may also be glorified together. I heard John Arnott the other day, and I don't normally, not, not that I don't like him, but I just don't, am not available to, to him. But I saw him on the internet the other day. And he said, during this time, it dawned on him that there are a lot of Christians that don't have a doctrine that will cover suffering. You know what? So many times we're, we are taught about, you know, some people, are, that's all they're taught about is suffering. There's no victory. And some are taught about all victory. And then when suffering comes, they're not able to handle it. But the reality is there is a doctrine for suffering, but it always leads us to victory because the Bible says that God always leads us into triumph. Some people will say, well, you know, they'll point to Paul and Paul's thorn in the flesh and how Paul prayed three times that God would deliver him. But God said, my grace is sufficient for you. But then Paul went on to say, he said this, he said, I've discovered that in my weakness, the power of Christ avails. So he found out, hey, I've got power over this. All I've got to do is submit myself to the life of Christ. Amen. So we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Well, what do I have now? I'm free from fear. What do I have now? I am free to witness. I have the witnessing spirit. I've got, because of, of the resurrection, I've got the witness of the Holy Spirit on the inside of me that not only tells me I'm the child of God, I'm a child of God and I'm to walk in victory, but he also gives me instructions as to where to go, what to do. Do you know what? You are... You are to be a receiver of the Word of God, not only from the Scripture, but also from the Spirit of God. Thank you, Jesus. You are an heir of Christ. What do you inherit as an heir of Christ? Everything that Christ inherited. Hallelujah. You ought to smile about that. What else, what else did you inherit because of the resurrection? You inherited a standing with God. You were accepted in the beloved. You inherited uh, the life of Christ on the inside of you. You inherited reconciliation. The scripture says that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not counting their trespasses against them. What else did you what else did you receive? You received you were made righteous. You are complete in him. You are lacking nothing. You are made partakers of the divine nature. You say, what's that mean? That means that you have the nature of God on the inside of you. Well, then why do I still like act like it? Because whoever you submit to is what you become like. 
You know, unless you know, unless you know that you have the nature of God on the inside of you, you'll just act the way you've always acted. You know, sometimes, you know, you have a new spirit on the inside of you, but you're acting according to your old mind habits, your old mind habits. That's why the scripture says not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. What else did we receive? We have been changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. And believe it or not, I'm on my last few thoughts. This, it says, because of the resurrection of Christ, you have been seated in a place of authority. Remember, you were crucified with Christ, you were buried with Christ, you died with Christ, you're resurrected with Christ, you have been raised up with Christ, you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. That means you are, you are in a place of authority, and through prayer and through the will of God, we can take authority over those things that are trying to destroy not only your life, but the life of your loved ones, the life of our community, the life of our nation. God has given us authority. You know, a lot of times we're blaming this group or that group, but the reality is, is because we have been given authority, and authority then is going to be placed. You know, we've talked about this before. You know, the scripture in Romans chapter 8, all things work together for good. And my last thought is this, if it isn't good, it isn't over. That's not my, that's not my original thought, but I'm going to take it. You know, Or Roberts told us one time, he says, if I hear you preach something and I like it, he said, I'll preach it once, maybe mention to you, but after that, it's mine. So I'm just telling you this, if it isn't good in your life, it isn't over. Can you say amen? We're going, to take, we're going to receive communion this morning. But I'd like to have a word of prayer first. So Heavenly Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. And I thank you for those listening to me and those that stuck with us this morning. And I'm going to ask right now in the name of Jesus that the power of Christ would rise up within them and that, the, and that the darkness that has tried to discourage them, the darkness that has tried to hide the promises of God from them, I break it off in the name of Jesus. I break off those lies that tell them it's over. I break off those lies that tell them that they are inferior. They're not inferior. They are raised up. They're seated with Christ in heavenly places. I plead the blood of Jesus over each person listening. I plead the blood of Jesus over their families. I plead the blood of Jesus over every member of the church in Jesus' name. And I declare that the power of Christ is going to set them free in Jesus' name. So uh, we're going to partake of communion this morning. And um, I just give praise to God. You say, well, you're taking communion a lot. Well, the Bible says that we show the Lord's death until he comes. We show the Lord's death. Also declaring Jesus is coming back. Oh, happy day. You know, it's not oh, happy day just because Jesus washed my sins away. It's oh, happy day when Jesus 
manifests himself again in this earth, but we expect to see him manifest his glory before he comes back. So, Father, we thank you for the broken body of Christ that was wounded for us. We, we discern his broken body was for our uh, sickness, that we might be healed, but we also are reminded of the rest of the body of Christ and the gifts that you have placed within them. We thank you for every believer, every church that, is, uh, that believes in you, and we thank you for them, and we receive the body in Jesus' name. <laughs>